Hey guys, it's Don. Um, just really quickly before the start of this episode, we want to send our condolences to the Laurinaitis family on the passing of Joseph Laurinaitis, aka the World Warrior Animal. He passed away last night on September 22nd, 2020. Uh, again, we just want to send our condolences. It would be it would be so hard not to say how much of an influence you know the world warriors are to me as a wrestling fan and how much world warrior animal meant to me uh chicago boy you know they were definitely one of the greatest tag teams in the world and a big part of my childhood is officially gone today um with that being said we just you know wanted to send our condolences and uh yeah um i'm sorry i'm choking on my words because kind of hit me like a ton of bricks today but thank you for everything you did joseph laurinaitis world warrior animal and hopefully you're up there tag it up with hawk and some crazy matches up in the skies above yeah. i want to slam fools on the mat want to suplex cats give them belly to back rock bottom tombstone and a sunset flip so i need you to teach me that no way i want to slam fools on the mat Hear the crowd go wild when I win the strap. Move soft, sharpshooter, and a F5-2. So I need you to teach me that. Okay. What do you get when you cross Bullet Club with the Disciples of Apocalypse? I don't know. What do you get? You get fucking T-Bar, Mace, and where the fuck Slapjack? Slapnuts. I... Oh, man. If only, if only Jeff Jarrett was a part of Retribution. Then it would be no. I don't. I don't think it would be any better because you you remember when him and Road Dog were a tag team. Spend my days working hard on the go. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No. God. Please never ever ever bring that. So, please, please keep that away. That needs I can't to... wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Oh, some shit like that. I don't know. That needs to die in the mid nineties with Kurt Cobain. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Welcome to the Natural Disasters of the Wrestling Podcast. I'm Matt and Matt over here. He's in over there. Don. That's Don. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <sighs> oh, I'm never going to recover from that. I mean, neither will he, but... Oh. <laughs> that was probably the darkest joke we've said so far. Well, this episode, at least, shit. Yeah. Um, how's your week been? Uh, eventful. Eventful. Um, kind of been back and forth between Chicago and Waukegan, so my commute to work has been about two and a half hours. And boy, is his ass sore. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I mean, well, all the pegging, of course. Yeah, I'm going to call you Pigboy from now on. That's you should change your Twitter handle to Pigboy27. Um, that's good. I mean, not the pegging, but... I mean, yeah, I guess the pegging is good if you're into that. I'm not. Just, <laughs> the thought of pirates making me sit on a peg is no laughing matter for me. <laughs> like, you ever sit? You ever sit in the DMV too long? Like my butt hurts from that within five minutes. I don't. I don't. I don't think I can go through what you go through on. 
apparently a weekend basis. I can't sit down for more than like two minutes. Like I, I need to always constantly be moving. Like, otherwise I feel like I have to pee all the time. It's weird. You know what I can't do? I can't like, I don't know. If, I was about to say if it's the old man in me, but it's really not. I've always been this way. You know how like when you sit on a bed, like you have your legs like just going straight, but like you're kind of leaning up against the pillow. I can't do that for some reason. It's so bothersome. Like I have to like sit in a chair like I am right now, or I have to be sitting on something like sturdy. That's so weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, any have you caught any rest? Of, we're we're gonna go into news on Thursday, but have you caught anything? Anything catch your eye this weekend or this past week? Uh, let's see. Whew. SmackDown wasn't too bad. SmackDown's um, starting to get a little bit better. Yeah, SmackDown's starting to get a little bit better. Raw was god awful. Raw has, hasn't, listen, Raw has been rawing our intelligence for the better part of like three years now and not in a good way. Um, it's it's awful. And the, it, since the pandemic, it's actually gotten worse. And like you kind of have to like loosen up whatever grading and expectations you have. But like, I can't even tell if they're trying anymore, honestly. I don't think they are. Like it's it's bad. It's really, really bad. Like, Raw's just, it's gotten to a point where, it's gotten to a point where with Raw where it's, it's almost unwatchable. I just really want to know, like, why, okay, with this whole retribution thing, they're supposed to be, for lack of a better term, anarchists coming in to destroy WWE or specifically Raw because they are signed to Raw, uh, but you're you're bringing in anarchists that want to destroy your company. Why are you signing them the contracts? Yes. And why are you publicly announcing that you're signing them the contracts? Like I didn't like I don't remember Shivani, Tony Shivani or Larry Zavisco saying that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were signed to the WCW. Um, no. You know, when they started doing their their invasion, their hostile takeover, you know. um, I don't understand why we have to get, you know, not Bane and, you know, a bunch of other people to say that they've signed. I mean, okay, if you want to do it by, like, oh, well, if you want to use the excuse of, like, oh, well, we have to, like, uh, it's, um, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, like like, a liability thing or whatever. It's just, like, that's still a specious answer. It really is. I mean, it really, really is. Look, wrestling, wrestling is suspension of disbelief. If I can't suspend my disbelief. It feels like it's not, it's being written by people that don't know wrestling. Because it is being written by people who don't know wrestling. I mean, yeah, but you still have Bruce Pritchard we're watching over both shows. Like, how... Yeah. Do you, how do you just like let that slide? Well, at the end of the the day, it all comes down to one man. Well, yeah, Kevin Dunn. Um, (laughs) Fucking camera shots. Fucking God. I don't fucking know. Like, well, we'll discuss it more on Thursday and hopefully we'll have more news of anything going on by then. But I think it's, this is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Um, 
on a good note of wrestling, um, I just finished watching the um, the second first round matches of the ROH uh, Pure Tournament. How did it go? Uh, so it was actually pretty good. Um, the first match was uh, Rocky Romero versus David Finley, and uh, David Finley, I've seen him a few times, uh, especially well. I mean, obviously, I saw his run with Finjuice. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, Rocky Romero, I okay. First off, I didn't know he was fucking from fucking Los Angeles. Second, um, I didn't know he was in the business for like twenty years. Yeah, Rocky um, Romero's been around for a while. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I, I I kind of assumed he's been around for at least ten, but I didn't know it was like twenty. Uh, like he was like in the first, like one of the first ROH shows or whatever, or at least the first year, I believe. Um. I don't know, it's amazing. Uh, but also, like, I never really take him seriously either. He's always been kind of a lighthearted, like, a, a lighthearted, like, character and more of a tag team dude. Like, you know, Rapongi 3K, uh, Rapongi Vice, stuff like that. Um, I never really, I didn't really take him seriously as a singles competitor in this. Although he was really good in this, I'm not going to lie. He really impressed me. Um, I'd like to see more serious Rocky Romero. I like to see a lot of characters be a little bit more serious sometimes. Um, but David Finley was impressive as shit. Um, so David Finley went over, uh, it was a pretty good match. Um, he's going to be facing, uh, Jay Lethal, uh, in the semifinals, quarterfinals, whatever, uh, in the next round. Um, then after that, it was Delirious versus Matt Seidel. Um, I love the, the, um, the video packages they do for these guys. Because, like, you're kind of starting from scratch because ROH hasn't really been doing anything since the pandemic began. Yeah. Um, so you're you're obviously, like, reminding folks who these people are, but then, like, you're also catching folks that are probably watching for the very first time. So these... Uh, I, I really got a... I really got a sense of who Matt Seidel is. Um, and then Delirious... You know, for a guy who's named Delirious, you would think that I'm, you know... You would think I would assume that he speaks in nothing but gibberish. I was wrong. Um, he, it's because at first when they were doing his video package, like they do an interview too, and it sounded like he was speaking Japanese, but then like there was just a part where he was just like, bah, 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 and it was just like a whole line of text of something different. I was just like, oh, okay, that's funny. That's cool. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I've never really, like, I've heard, like, I know who Delirious is and I've seen him a bunch of times, but I never like, really sat down and focused watching ROH like this because it was really hard to find, um, at least on this side of the coast. Um, so, over there on the left um, coast. On the left coast. Uh, Matt Seidel went over. Um, he ended up beating Delirious with his own submission. Uh, like he, he, he really took it to Delirious because Delirious used two out of his three rope breaks uh, throughout the whole entire match. So um, no shooting and, star press? No shooting star press yet. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, next week it's going to be, uh, or after these uh, last matches, uh, last uh, first round matches, it's going to be uh, Jonathan Grisham versus Matt Seidel. And that's going to be really cool. And I'm, I really want to see how far Seidel, they let Seidel take this. Uh, because, well, I mean, he's not even exclusively signed to AEW regardless. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. I'm really liking ROH. I'm really liking. I'm really liking quote unquote indie wrestling. 
Although I don't know if I still call ROH indie, but I mean, they're indie adjacent. They're like NXT, where they're yeah. kind of indie, kind of not. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, um, my bad for not putting up a poll because um, I've been busy this weekend. I've been so really nice. fucking busy. Um, although we've obviously been trying to do our best at keeping it two podcasts a week, so go us. This is the second week we've done it. Um, so I was gonna put up a poll to see what we're gonna talk about, but I'm gonna surprise the shit out of uh, Don right now. So, Don, mm-hmm. I want you to tell me heads or tails twice. Okay? Heads or tails twice. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip a coin. And we're gonna knit, that's how we're gonna narrow it down to what we talk about today. Oh wow! So you have four topics at hand. Actually, I actually have three. Three. So okay. it's gonna be a really quick one. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, let's do um, tails. Okay. So the first flip is tails. Let's see if you can hear this. Oh shit! How did I turn off my sound? Okay. Ready? One, two, three. It is tails. Okay. Now, once more, heads or tails? Let's do heads. Motherfucking dog. Okay. (laughs) So, today's topic for our podcast is going to be Night of Champions. Oh, God. 2015. Are you interested to know what the other two choices are? What were they? So the uh, the first one was going to be Night of Champions 2010. Okay. And the second one, the third one was going to be uh, Unforgiven 2000. Ooh, that seemed like that would have been my favorite one. Oh, well, we have plenty of time, so maybe next week we can cover that one. Um, but yeah, we're going to cover Night of Champions 2015. Uh, just at the top of your head, what do you remember about Night of Champions? About Night of Champions 2015? Yes. Uh, isn't that when Sting got fucked up? Uh, yeah, that's correct, actually. That is when he, uh, he got injured because of, uh, Rollins, or during the match with Rollins. Uh, what else do you remember? Um, So this was the so this was the ninth and final pay per view under the Nine of Champions moniker. Okay. So chronologically, obviously, up until recently, and then this was the second Night of Champions to be held in Houston after Vengeance. Okay. And we remember what Vengeance in two thousand seven was. No, I don't. Um, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. Or was that 2006? I might be in 2006. No, this was it. This was the one where that uh, Night of Champions 2007 was when uh, the Benoit tragedy happened and Johnny Nitro uh, had to fill in for Benoit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Fuck, we're approaching that anniversary, aren't we? We sure are, unfortunately. Well, I mean, we're already past the 10-year mark. We're at the yeah. 13-year mark already. Yeah. Uh, we actually are at the end. Of, we are at the thirteenth anniversary technically because Night of Champions, or I think Ven- that Vengeance actually happened around. To, no, it happened in June. It happened around June. It happened around the summer. That's right. Um, so we're past it. We're past the thirteen year. But anyways, uh, Night of Champions two thousand fifteen. I now lost my page because I was trying to be 
Goody Two Shoes and try to give you all kinds of info. Um, it took place on September 20th, 2015. So we are uh, just two days after the five-year anniversary. It happened in Houston, Texas at the Toyota Center. And the attendance for that crowd was 14,369 people. And the buy rate was 77,000. And that doesn't include WWE Network views. So that shows that um, it's probably down a whole lot compared to what they could have had um, without the network. And motherfucker just goes and takes the piss. I'm actually going to take the piss out of him right now. Uh, this is what I have to deal with when uh, we're recording a podcast. And now that he has the luxury of going to a bathroom that's right across the hall, he just kind of leaves without giving me any sort of warning. And here he comes. And here he goes. And, I, can and, hear uh, I can hear you the whole time. What are the headphones for? I can hear you the whole time. What did you have the headphones for? What are the headphones for then? So, the, I mean, the headphones are to isolate the audio when, you know, when I'm sit- standing next to the mic. But I, like, <laughs> I can hear you. Did you even wash your hands? Is the most important question I, I have. I didn't use the restroom. I just wanted to grab some water. Oh, hmm. Okay. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, like you said, uh, the main event uh, was Seth Rollins versus Sting for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and uh, like I said also earlier, so this uh, had 77,000 pay-per-view buys, which is actually up from the year before which was 48,000 so even excluding the um the wwe network watchers they still got close to uh you know three quarters of a million um of a hundred thousand sorry wow um and that actually says a lot because it shows that sting i mean you know i'm sure like a lot of there was a lot of progression between both years but yeah i mean you have sting as a headliner so of course people are going to be super interested yeah obviously um, I mean, like that's one of the biggest things it's also sting's final match in his long 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 illustrious uh wwe career uh, so to get to this uh, we're going to talk about at least a couple of the main events um the previous um Previous pay-per-view before, before this was SummerSlam, where Seth Rollins beat John Cena to retain the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and also win Cena's United States Championship, uh, thanks to the help of John Stewart. Yeah, um, I remember that. That was Cause... actually really fun. I, I figured you know, he was going to turn on um, Cena, but just the mm-hmm. fact that he did it was just made it all the better. Like He actually did it. They turned uh, John Stewart heel. As a and they said. never... They never really explained it or, like, followed up with it. I think they tried to, like, the next night, but then it really panned out. But that was actually really fun. Uh, he kind of ruined it one time by kind of, like, turning around and looking at Cena. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it just it didn't happen fast enough, whether he came in too early or John Cena turned around too late. Um, it was kind of telegraphed. But, I mean, that was still a really – it was a really good shocker. Um, so that happens. Um the next night on Raw, on the August 24th episode, the Authority attempted to present Rollins with a statue for winning both titles, but that's when, instead of the statue, they pull up the curtain and Sting is standing on the podium that is Seth Rollins' statue and beats the shit out of the Authority. 
Uh, and that was the first time that he had been on uh, WWE TV since the night after WrestleMania 31. Yep. Um, then Triple H uh, scheduled Raw to defend the WWE World Title against the United Champions. And then on August 31st of Raw, uh, edition of Raw, Cena invoked his rematch clause to face Rollins for the United States Championship and Night of Champions as well. So Rollins is pulling double duty this night. Um. That SummerSlam also, we also had uh, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose defeat Wyatt, uh, Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Um, after that, on the August 24th episode, during a rematch between both teams, Braun Strowman makes his debut uh, the night uh, a couple of weeks after SummerSlam. And that's just, when he was the black sheep. Just five years ago, we had Braun Strowman's debut. Oh, weird. Now. And Look at him now. And then, like, also remember, not to, it wasn't really not that long after this that there was a bunch of rumors of him working with The Undertaker. Like, do you remember that? Like, just how quickly after he debuts, rumors are moving around that Vince Vince wants him to face Taker at possibly Mania? I do. He had a lot of hype behind him. Like, when he, he first did. Debuted. And, like, obviously knowing what we know now about Braun Strowman, he seems like, like, I mean, he's, he's very passionate about the business and stuff like that, about what he does. And that's, you know, obviously something you want from a, a wrestler. Uh, but he's actually pretty impressive sometimes when he's not just doing consecutive slams all over the place. Yeah. I, it, he's a good worker, I mean. On September 5th, a six-man tag match uh, with Wyatt, Harper, and Strowman against Reigns and Ambrose. But their partner of choice for Night of Champions was scheduled. Um, and then at SummerSlam, Ziggler and Rusev fought to a double countout. And then it was made into a rematch for Night of Champions because, you know, that. Reasons. Because reasons. So those are the kind of the main uh, stories that we had going on for this. Um, so let's get into the pay-per-view. For, on the commentary on this night, we had Michael Cole, uh, JBL, and Jerry Lawler, uh, Spanish commentators Carlos Cabrero, Marcelo Rodriguez, and Jerry Soto. Uh, we had Lillian Garcia and Eden Styles on re-announcer duty. And then uh, on our pre-show, we had uh, Renee Young, Booker T, Byron Saxton, and Corey Graves. Jeez, just think about this. Five years ago, Corey Graves, Byron Saxton were just on the pre-show. Yeah, this is before uh, Craig Gears was doing full-time duty for WWE, uh, for commentary. He was still doing NXT at this time. He didn't move up to full commentary until, like, the year after, correct? Correct. And then, like, you still had JBL doing commentary, which is crazy. Well, how do you feel about JBL as a commentator? Fuck him. Really? Yep. Do you, do you like? But do you have any positive feelings like throughout any time of his uh, commentating uh, portion of his career? No, I fucking hate him as a commentator. Really? Yeah. I really liked him during the the ruthless aggression era with Michael Cole. I could never stand his commentary. I'm not gonna say it was the best, but I mean he did play a pretty good heel to Michael Cole's whatever the fuck he was supposed to be. I guess to a straight man. <laughs> Michael Cole is a straight man. I mean, yes. But, I mean, okay, he's not... He, he wasn't better than Taz on commentary. No. He was He was pretty decent. I think my, my favorite pair was Taz and... Was Taz and Cole. 
Aside from the default Ross and Lawler, it's it's Taz and Cole. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really? outside of the default. Well, no, I I honestly think I liked. I I think I personally liked Heyman and uh, Heyman and Ross. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I love hearing the stories about uh, Heyman and Ross uh, being paired together for the first time. Uh, especially because, like, and and there's bits and pieces that they show on, um, um, you know, the WWE Network when Heyman joined commentary, and there's a part where, like, on the first night, Ross just goes, like, you know, just just follow my lead, kid, and we got this. And, like, how even at that age, after after really having his own company, he was still learning stuff yeah. in the WWE, and especially under Jim Ross. And I, find that, I just find that very interesting. But you're right, that was a good pair. That was a really good pair. It was a really good pair. I think that's the better pair than like JBL and Michael Cole, honestly. Although I do kind of like that pair. Like, Heyman, Heyman Ross, fantastic. Fucking, uh, oh, Taz and Styles. Uh, are we talking WWE ECW? Yeah, during WWE ECW, like, I still think they were so good. I think they were pretty good. I just, there was, like, obviously you could tell that. Well, obviously, Taz was used to the WWE style. Uh, uh, Styles was not. Um, and it was kind of weird to hear him adapt to that style, but also yeah. to kind of bury, I guess, certain parts of ECW history, uh, whether it be actual history or history that the wrestlers had with ECW. Like, if you remember um, One Night Stand 2006, where... It was Mysterio versus Sabu, and Mysterio, um, you know, was World Heavyweight Championship, but they kind of had to bury Mysterio because he was a WWE guy, and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, Mysterio was here for a cup of coffee, and then he went fuck off to, like, WCW or whatever. Yeah. And just like, it's just like, oh, man, that sucks, because, like, Mysterio did way more than that, you know? Um, I mean, they had no, to sell like, it, though. Like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. But yeah, that's that's a good like there's so many good pairs of commentators, but and even around here, even for this pay per view, like you have Cole, Layfield and Lawler. Like you the only quote unquote strong one would be Michael Cole, but even by this time a lot of people were getting really tired of Michael Cole. Like you can only like there are certain voices that you can hear for so long until you're just like, Okay, we need something fresh, like the way people feel about Michael Cole right now is the way I think people also feel about uh, JR on AEW too. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, like, yeah, it's a really, like he has a really good voice and like, he's, you know, he's a legend or whatever, but like, you know, at the same time, you just kind of got to step aside too. You know, personally, I don't feel that way about JR, but for Michael Cole by this time, I think I already knew I was tired. Uh, And then Jerry Lawler as well. Jerry Lawler's shtick doesn't really hold up past like, 2009 maybe like the older he gets the grosser he gets yeah yeah um, how much do you miss uh, Lillian Garcia and Eden Stiles miss, as announcers I miss her so much like I miss I miss her as an announcer uh, uh, she was like one of the best WWE slash F Ring announcers. I love going back to old WWF um, like matches and hearing like 
baby Lillian Garcia with like just very like green as far as announcing goes because like she sounds kind of awkward and it sounds kind of weird and then you just hear the evolution of it and I'm like oh okay yeah. like this like yeah she used to suck okay but I'm glad they kept her on um so uh, on our pre-show for Night of Champions 2015 we had Neville uh, and the Lucha Dragons Kalisto and Sincara, uh versus Stardust and the Ascension how many of those Neville, people are how many of those people are still with WWE um, one actually. Calisto. So Neville is obviously Pac. Yeah, Neville is obviously Pac. Sin Cara went down to Mexico to AAA, and <laughs> what the hell happened? You completely froze up there. Um, can you hear me, Matthew? Jesus Christ, you're. Your internet connection is kind of garbage you do right now. My computer either froze or it's dying, or I'm dying. I can't tell. Uh, por que no los dos? There you go. Let's see. Oh, Snapple, we lost him again. Let me put this. All right, sorry about that. We had some technical another world. difficulties. Yeah, we're back from another world, and let's see how this works out now. There's um, no problems. Wow. Second world, actually. Um, <laughs> so, like yeah. you said, uh, Neville is obviously packing AEW. I think Sin Cara's Mystico now in uh, AAA. That's correct. Um, Kalisto is still obviously uh, with Lucha House Party. And then we have Stardust, who has not been seen as probably in the ninth dimension somewhere. And the Ascension probably fucked off with him as well. Yeah. You know, was so the Ascension got released the same time around as. Uh, at the same time as Brody Lee got released. Yeah, so they they their non competes are probably up, but I mean, yeah. where are they really gonna go? That's true. Where are they really where are they really gonna go? And like, do you feel like they'd be established as a tag team elsewhere? You know, as is. I don't think so, to be honest. Because uh, like we we never really got to know either of them as a singles competitor. You know, for any good amount of length of time to be like, oh, okay, this person pops up, we know who they are. Like, it would take a minute. Um, Match ends when Stardust pushes Victor, causing Neville to fall off the top rope. Stardust pins uh, Neville after Queen's crossbow to win the match. Um, After that, we had uh, Kevin Owens beating Ryback for the uh, WWE Intercontinental Championship. Forgot that was a part of that. Yeah, uh, Ryback was. Uh, well, I mean, people actually kind of consider Ryback to be one of the more famous Intercontinental Championships. Like when you think of Intercontinental Championships, uh, at least more recent ones, Ryback's kind of up there for some reason. It's weird. Like I, I don't mentally, I don't associate Ryback with that. Uh, after this match, we had Dolph Ziggler versus Rusev. Remember who was in Rusev's corner? I do. It wasn't Lana. It wasn't. It was in in English. Who was it? The Summer Ray. God, I forgot that was a pairing That's, at one point. That was a that was the first like non like I don't know, first uncoupling of Rusev and Lana. 
until Mandy Rose. They did it with Mandy as well. Lana tried to do it with Mandy Rose. Um, Correct. I don't know. Sometimes. Um. Okay. Following that, we had the Dudley Boys of Devon Above Ray versus New Day for the uh, WWE Tag Team Championship. And uh, they won. This is their winning the championship over New Day. So I never thought about this until now that Dudley Boys actually have a – they have a championship win over New Day, which I completely forgot about. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, a while. Yeah, I think it was before. No, it was after this. Because in this match, uh, uh, New Day gets disqualified because of Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they put the, uh, the Dullies put Woods through a table with the 3D. Um, oh, yeah, and because they showed up not too long after SummerSlam, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so it was the first pairing of, uh, or the first. Time we've seen the Dudley Boys together in WWE in like ten years, um, you know, in an actual match. So this was actually pretty fun. I forgot that this happened on this pay per view. I thought that was like a post WrestleMania thing, but it really wasn't. Um, the match after this had Nikki Bella defending her Divas Championship match. That's where we're at right now. We still have the Divas Butterfly Belt against Charlotte Flair, or just Charlotte, because you know sometimes she has and doesn't have her last name for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, in this match, Nikki would lose her title if she was counted out or disqualified per their stipulations by the authority. Um, this ended when this match finished with uh, Nikki diving off the second rope, but Charlotte uh, hitting her with a spear in midair on Nikki, and then forcing her to submit in the figure eight to win the title. It is a match. Uh, I feel since this podcast, you know our feelings on Nikki Bella, unfortunately. Um, they're not good. Yeah. Um, and that's all offense to Nikki Bella and Brie Bella, honestly. Um, yeah. I just, listen, like, women's wrestling, women empowerment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I get it. We understand it. We're for it. But not when it's the Bellas, because... Yeah, they contributed, but how much did they really contribute aside from name value alone? None, to be perfectly honest. Exactly. Um, um, let's move on to the next match of the night, which was the Wyatt, the Wyatt family. family. Yes. In the form of Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, and Luke Harper versus Chris Jericho, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns in the six. Six-man tag match. Um, you really know how to blow the load on this because Roman, because this Jericho ends up being their mystery partner that was yeah. not revealed until they make their entrances and stuff like that. My bad. <laughs> I fucking buried Jesus the lead fucking on that. Christ on. Whoopsies. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to make sure that if we ever start a wrestling promotion of our own that you stay as far away from the mic <laughs> as possible when we're supposed yeah. to have surprises. Don't put me near a hot mic. Um, it's just like, and yeah, and then we're going to have fucking The Rock show up on our first night. Done. What the fuck? <laughs> three, out of, three out of six of these men are now within AEW's rankings as uh, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, and Mr. Brody Lee. Yeah, Bray Wyatt is doing his fiend shtick right now, obviously. Uh, Braun Strowman is 
uh, I don't know, possessed or, or just angry? Or no, he's on Raw Underground. Yeah, he's on Raw Underground. Um, who fucking knows? And Roman uh, Reigns is obviously with um, with Paul Heyman, and apparently he's he might get new music coming up. Yeah, that's what I heard too. So apparently he's getting new ring gear and music. It's gonna be really so, interesting. I mean, I'm honestly glad that he's finally gonna lose the Shield theme. Yeah, uh, because like it, I'm su- I'm surprised that of all the people. I mean, I get it. Of all the people that that kept the Shield music, he like they gave it to him, but still, like it, it's kind of tiring. It's already it's, it's yeah. way past over. Yeah. Um, um, we had John Cena versus Seth Rollins for the WWE United States Championship, um, which he defeated Seth Rollins. Yeah, uh, Cena goes for an attitude adjustment on Rollins to win the title. After Rollins, who was scheduled to uh, already uh, defend his WWE World Heavyweight Championship, gets his belt and tries to walk off stage, but Cena then stops him and then gives him another attitude adjustment. Uh, because, it's, you know, two, two isn't enough. Or one isn't yeah. enough. Just to mess with him. Which set up our next match, which was Seth Rollins versus Sting, which Seth Rollins defeated Sting. And you know what? I'm surprised that... Um, not many people know this was this was a career versus career match. I mean, really? <laughs> oh my god, you suck! <laughs> you can't believe you fell for that. Um, fuck. Now, see, now you made me lose my train of thought. Um, usually when they have people pulling double duty, they usually at least space out the matches. I'm really surprised. I was really surprised that they had them go one after the other, yeah, which is no. a testament to. The athleticism of Seth Rollins, <laughs> because Rollins. like you're, you're, yeah, you're going up against John Cena, but then you're also going up against Sting, who admittedly isn't that rusty because he was in TNA before this, maybe like a yeah. year before, but still, like he was still pretty active in TNA. Um, this um, this match is obviously very um, uh, famous because it was the return of Sting in a, in his second WWE singles match. Um, and for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, nonetheless, but also because of the injury that uh, Sting gets during this match, um, Rollins tries to, uh, performs a, a turbuckle power bomb on Sting, but then uh, Sting kind of suffers some whiplash. Yep, and he actually hurts his neck. Um, and so this has been—I mean, that injury has been credited as to how Sting ended up retiring, unfortunately. And, you know, there's always rumors swirling around that, you know, Sting is actually doing better and that he might be able to go one more. But, I mean, you know, he was already fucking kind of, uh, kind of up there. I think he was already close to retiring regardless. But, you know, that neck injury um, kind of pushed it. And then also, he is the second person uh, to be injured by Seth Rollins', Seth Rollins powerbomb, uh, or at least some variant of a tropical power bomb because remember it was just a while back that or afterwards this is after is it after that he uh, injures Finn Balor yeah that's correct so that's afterwards so Sting is the first person and then Finn Balor yeah hmm. um, after this uh, after the match Rollins counters with a small package on Sting he retains the title then while Rollins is celebrating Sheamus appears to cash in his Money in the Bank contract. 
Uh, again, Sheamus uh, hits uh, Rollins with a bro kick, but before Sheamus could cash in, Kane appears and, and choke slams Rollins and Sheamus. Then Kane gives uh, Rollins a tombstone, Paul Driver, and that ends the pay per view. Twenty. Yeah, I forgot what exactly that leads to. I think, like, well, by this time, Kane was obviously kind of done with Rollins or, like, over Rollins being part of the authority. Um, But it's so weird that, um, you know, he he goes after Sheamus and Rollins instead of just letting Sheamus cash in. Um, The aftermath to that, actually, is that uh, Kane actually shows up and, well, during his end of the night run and he shows up as the demon king but then the next night he's again corporate king and um, he kind of like doesn't remember attacking Rollins which is weird and then after that Kane gets a title match against Rollins at Hell in the Cell Yeah, and that was actually kind of technically championship versus career because the simulations of the Hell in the Cell between Rollins and Kane is you know Kane wins a WWE championship if he wins if he loses he loses his position as director of operations uh, but that's something that we'll probably cover later on. Uh, overall, we might. What would you? Yeah, we might. What, are, what would you give this pay per view? Three. Three. Um. Yeah. Three. Three point five. I'll, I'll give it three point five. I'm just going. I'll be straight up three. Um. I always love Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is good. The New Day stuff was still very much fun because the New Day wasn't that old. I think they yeah. were just maybe about a year old, and plus they got to work with the Dudleys. So seeing uh, the Dudleys together has, is always fun. Um, the Wyatt six-man tag, that was kind of okay. Uh, it was, But really, I think what did it was uh, Cena and Rollins, and then Rollins and Sting, even though Sting didn't win, um, which is something would have been interesting to have done in 2015. I agree. I mean, I would have put the title on Sting back then. Like, even if you have him as champion for like, I don't know, maybe up until Rumble, I think that would have been good. But then again, you know, Vince McMahon doesn't really necessarily like anything that's not WWE original. Yeah. Because the Booker, like, I'm, uh, like, you know, I get it. You don't give the title to Booker T, you know, in the early 2000s, but you don't give the title to Sting at just any point of his career. I think that's bullshit. It is. Um, that's all I've got for today. Uh, I don't have anything else either. Um, where can we find you on your social media, buddy? I am at pending257 on Twitter. Pendehoing257? Yes. <laughs> Just a lot. And, um, it's, uh, it's not going to be funny because it's going to be actually real. <laughs> um... um you can find me E L D O M B R U J O. You can also that's all my social media accounts. You could also find both of us at T N D W Podcast on both Twitter and Facebook. <gasps> you remembered. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And just like the future careers of everybody in retribution, what would you call this show? <laughs> I'd call it a fucking disaster. 